Coming up on this episode, the Warriors return to the floor following the tragic passing of assistant coach Dayan Malayevic. Jonathan Kaminga continues to emerge in front of our very eyes, and within that, have the Warriors found their best five-man combination? Yes, welcome to the return episode of the Golden State with Mates podcast. You'll probably hear that I'm not quite 100%, obviously being off traveling to LA over the past 10, 12 days or so, and I feel like it's inevitable to just get unwell at some point throughout the trip. Uh, So not 100%, so I apologize if this doesn't sound quite as clean as what it usually might. Uh, But obviously on the last episode, I said that I was going to LA and also that I hoped to do a podcast episode while in LA. Obviously, with the events surrounding the Warriors in the last kind of seven to ten days, I felt it inappropriate, I suppose, to go on and do a podcast episode. It was probably a good time just to take a break uh, with with what had happened, and and that's obviously regarding the passing of assistant coach Dayan Malayevic. So I I got to LA on the Monday morning. Uh, the Warriors played the Monday night in a, a horrible loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Tuesday morning, I actually had a, a radio interview in New Zealand, which was which was really cool. That went well. Uh, I had the Tuesday, obviously, and then the Wednesday morning, we wake up to the news of the severe health issue that Dayan had had in Utah on the Tuesday night. And then I, I vividly remember, like when you when I got the tweet that uh, that they were postponing the Warriors game with the Jazz on the Wednesday night. I thought, geez, this. You know, obviously we've been told that it's serious, but this has to be incredibly, incredibly serious for them to postpone a game. And then obviously a couple of hours after that or whatever, we get the, the news of, of his passing. So absolutely horrible uh, and absolutely traumatizing, tragic week for the Golden State Warriors as a franchise. And first and foremost, my thoughts and prayers continue to go out to everyone in the Warriors organization, everyone in the NBA community who had anything to do with Coach Decky, uh, particularly European players, uh, obviously with his background, worked significantly with the likes of Nikola Jokic, probably primarily, and and what he was able to do for his career uh, coming in to the or before he came into the NBA and obviously developed into a two-time MVP. So my thoughts and prayers go out to, to everyone there. Uh, but most most importantly, his family, his wife, and his two kids. I, I couldn't imagine what they're going through right now. Uh, I lost my old man last year, uh, but I I take solace knowing that you know he he lived to seventy seven and he had a good full life, uh, experienced a lot, and unfortunately, you know, Decky forty six, forty six years old, like that is horrible, absolutely horrible. Because he had so much life left, he had so much basketball coaching, so much ambition left in him, and to pass away at the age of forty-six, it's just, yeah, it's it's tragic. It really is. And the Warriors took the floor uh, again on uh, Wednesday night American time against the Atlanta Hawks. Obviously, a really emotional game. The, the ceremony and the tributes first up pre-game. Uh, I don't know how they got through the game, to be honest, but they honoured Decky's legacy really well with getting a 134-112 win over the Atlanta Hawks. And then last night against the Kings, nationally televised game, 
Unfortunately, another close loss. They just pile up. The, the, the close, devastating losses continue to pile up on the season, not being able to, to get it done in the final minute. They trailed for the, well, all of the second half until the 48-second mark where J.K. had a dunk to put, to put Golden State in front, 133-132. Two opportunities to grab a defensive rebound on the following possession. Both go awry. Off the inbound, Sabonis gets a very easy dunk off a bit of miscommunication defensively there from Golden State. Puts the Kings back in front. JK kind of loses the ball on a, on a layup attempt, on a post-up, the following possession. Then Kevin Herter misses two free throws to give the Warriors another opportunity. Should they have taken a timeout? Yes. I don't think straight away necessarily. I actually like the fact that off the missed free throw, they tried to push it. I do agree with Steve that in that scenario, your best offense might come against the scrambling defense in transition. But once there was nothing you know, wide open with seven, eight seconds left uh, in the game, then you probably could have taken a timeout and reset things. Instead, Steph ends up losing the ball, and that's the end of the game. And the Warriors lose by one again. So plenty of positives to take over the, the, last, um, the, the back-to-back here over the last two nights. I do think that obviously with what's happened over the last seven to ten days, the perspective we have now of this sorry, my alarm's just going off. The perspective we have here on the Warrior season has shifted pretty significantly in terms of, you know, all the, the trade stuff, all the frustration and disappointment is now just turning into can they just get through the season and, and play, you know, reasonably well, play uh, and respect the legacy that Decky left. Uh, and and this is just an, another example of you know life is is short and life comes before basketball and maybe there's a, a slight drop in the importance of this warrior season now than what there was before you know before last week when it when it all went down plenty of positives to take off the back to back but silver linings don't necessarily help. Uh, when you're in the Warriors situation, when you're going to, to last night's game, you're 19 and 22 on the season. You're still 12th in the Western Conference. Coming out of that game, you can say they played well. They played very well offensively. They struggled again defensively. That's just been the case here. But regardless of the, the optimism and the good things you want to take from it, you drop another game. You go to 19 and 23. You push further back from the playing mix, from the top eight in the Western Conference. So at some point, the Warriors have to get moving if they harbour hopes of, which they still do, obviously. I know I just said that maybe this season takes on less importance than what it did, given Coach Decky's passing. But we're still going to talk about it. The Warriors are still going to win, want to win basketball games. And uh, maybe, maybe it could help a little bit with just you know, putting, putting things into perspective. But... Unfortunately, the Warriors are still in a hole here. They're in a hole, and they've got the Lakers, who are in a kind of similar hole on Saturday night US time. The first thing we really need to talk about here, and because I want to be positive, I want to be positive. I haven't spoken for a couple of weeks. I want to be positive, despite you know the losses continuing to kind of mount up a little bit here. Jonathan Kaminga is emerging. He's emerging into. Do you want to say merging into a star? Maybe that might be too much. But whatever you want to say, like he's emerging into something and something pretty significant. 
And this is kind of what we thought we might have seen from JK going back to preseason, where remember he led the league, was he led the league or second in the league in scoring during preseason? We all thought, geez, here we go. And I remember contemplating during preseason, thinking to myself, and nothing to myself, but out loud on this podcast, where was JK going to lie by the end of the season in terms of the hierarchy at the Warriors, in terms of their best players? Now, no one is taking the mantle off Steph. He's so far ahead of everyone else, it's not funny. And that's half the issue. But Draymond, Clay, whoever else, where, where does JK lie? And I said preseason, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's all of a sudden a top three player on the team by the end of the season. And it's taken a while for that to kind of come around. There's still been the inconsistency with his production, mainly born out of the inconsistency in his playing time. Obviously, when Draymond went out with the suspension, he began starting. He started, what, 15 straight games or 14 straight games, whatever. And then he went back to the bench. And at that point, I was thinking, wow, okay, like, what are we doing here? What are we, like, he went back to the bench before Draymond even came back, five games ago. And then all of a sudden, he's responded in incredible fashion. 24 points against the Bulls, 28, which was then a career high against the Bucks, 20 and 11 rebounds, double-double against the Grizzlies, 25 and 9 against the Hawks on Wednesday night on an equal franchise record 11 of 11 shooting, tying Chris Mullen. And then 31, another career high against Sacramento yesterday. Just an unbelievable stretch of games, which is made even more stark, I suppose, by the fact that he went back to the bench and he's doing this off the bench. Now, sure, he's playing nearly 30 minutes a game, uh, which might still be a little bit too less, like he, he needs to, a little bit too low. He probably needs to play a little bit more than what he is. I think fans are clamoring for that. Uh, there are still times in the last few games where JK should have been in some of these lineups towards the end of games. Now, yes, he has been closing, but bring him back three, four minutes to go. When he's got the hot hand, you might as well let him ride kind of the whole fourth quarter at times. The pathway here for JK, I think, is really interesting when you look at his career as as a whole. And what I mean by that is like the first year and a bit, I suppose, of his career, we've we've had all this talk of he he wasn't a warrior fit right drafted seventh overall incredible talent but he's young the way he plays doesn't necessarily fit with Steph and Clay and Draymond he doesn't make the right reads he often has to think about certain plays rather than it just coming naturally to him which is what you want in the Golden State system offensively when you know there's a lot of ball and player movement defensively as well with the Warriors doing a lot of switching and whatever else. So there was that whole narrative, I guess, of JK not being a Warrior fit. And I feel like there was maybe a 12-month period between early last season and early to middle of last season and early this season where I thought he made a really, really conscious effort of almost going away and stripping back his natural instincts to try and fit in to the Warrior system. And I thought he made great strides in doing that. 
And it probably meant that his individual stats weren't maybe as great as what he would hope to have been or what the the pre-draft forecast might have been. But he did make huge leaps in learning how to play next to Steph and Clay and Draymond. And there's been times even earlier this season where I've been a little bit disappointed in him not hunting his own shot more and looking more to pass to Steph and Clay. Well, now I think we've got to a position here with all the work that he's put in in trying to fit into the Warriors system. He's now earned the trust of Steve and his teammates, more importantly. And now I think he's reverting back to what he naturally is, which is I'm a go-to guy. I can be a star in this league. I can get my own. And yes, there can be times where those types of players can be considered selfish, I suppose, to a degree. Uh, but I think in the in the case of JK, with him looking for his own shot, with him being aggressive, the Warriors need that. Because we said from early in the season that the the supplementary the supplementary scoring next to Steph needs to be better. And now with what JK is doing, it's not an issue of the offense, it's actually an issue of the defense. And so the Warriors need him to be aggressive. And JK's spoken about Draymond, you know, repeatedly telling him that, you know, no one can stop him at the rim to continue to be aggressive. And I just love what he's doing at the moment because he's got gone back to what he naturally is, to what who he thinks he is, which is a star level player. And yes, there's still going to be times where there's the push and pull between what he wants to be and what the Warriors want to be. But I think with all the work he's put in in trying to be a Warrior-style player, he's earned that leeway now to be able to go and be who he wants to be while also being a part of the team environment and helping the team ultimately win, which is what he's doing here. Is a, 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 not only a team high, but a game high plus 16 yesterday. Sorry, I had to take a, take a spell there. This cold is really getting to me. But uh, with JK's emergence, I think there's, and Draymond's return, the Warriors, after 42 games, it's probably been their biggest issue so far this season. They've finally found what I think is their best five-man combination. And it doesn't surprise me because when Draymond was out, when the whole kind of uproar about the JK-Wiggins combination was going on and it was really struggling, my last thought on that was just wait till Draymond comes back. Wait to see what he could do for that combination. And so I think the Warriors' best lineup now, at least while Chris Paul, Gary Payton II, Moses Moody remain out, and I think even when they come back, I think it's still their best fight. It's, def- it's, it's Steph, Clay, Wiggs, JK, Draymond. I think that is their best five-man combination. And I think Draymond has been really influential here since his return. And I want to give credit to him. And some will say, oh, well, you know, he, he deserves to, well, he needed to come back like this, given the absence that, you know, he had from the, the 16 game suspension and the five games that he obviously missed after the Gobert chokehold. But I do want to give credit to Draymond for how he's returned because he's been really good. Minutes restriction coming off the bench has impacted a little bit defensively, but obviously the, the numbers for the Warriors still aren't great fit in really well offensively. And I think that combination is starting to make a lot of sense. Draymond just unlocks JK and Wiggs. And the reason I think for it is not defensively, although defensively that 
front court should be really strong, uh, should be really versatile, and hopefully it can be better moving forward. Just quickly on that, that five-man combination in 14 minutes since Draymond returned has an 84.8 defensive rating, which is wild, absolutely wild when you take into consideration that over the last 10 games, the Warriors have a 127.1 defensive rating, easily, easily the worst in the league. No other team is worse than 122 over that span. So for that five-man combination, yes, it's limited sample size, 14 minutes, but for them to have an 84.8 defensive rating while the team has a 127.1 in the last 10 games is just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But I think Draymond unlocks JK and Wiggins because he gives you that extra playmaker. When, while Draymond was out, with the JK Wiggins combination, you had usually like TJD, usually TJD out there as kind of the five man, maybe Loon, Surridge, whatever. And then Steph and Clay or Steph and Moody, whoever it was. But there was often a, a lack of a secondary playmaker, uh, a secondary ball handler out there. And I think that's what kind of made the Wiggs JK combination not particularly work. And I think now you've got Draymond out there. I think it gives you that and then obviously gives you the, the defensive versatility that I just spoke about as well. Draymond, sorry, sorry, Wiggins and JK are still a minus 13.4 together in their 210 minutes. This is in net rating, minus 13.4 net rating in 210 minutes together this season. Yet, if you add Draymond to the mix, that trio is a plus 20.6 in net rating in 59 minutes this season. So it's like Wiggins and JK do not work at all together unless Draymond is also on the floor. And I think going forward, you're probably going to see that that pairing or that trio as well, not playing a whole lot during the game, but they might close first halves and they might close games as they have done as well in the last couple of games. So the, the early question here is, does that become the starting lineup? Just put simply, with the Warriors situation at 19 and 23, you need to get going. Do you just play your best players from the start? All five of those guys play 28, 30-plus minutes, especially with the injuries that the Warriors are currently dealing with. Is that just what you do? And I can see the argument just to say, yep, that, that is your best five, so you start your best five and away you go, good luck. But I don't think it's as simple as that. Because with what JK is giving you right now, I think I'd be hesitant to actually put him back in the starting lineup. And I was, and it's funny I say that because when he was taken out of the starting lineup ahead of that Bulls game, I was just like, what are we doing here? And I was like flat out frustrated and angry. But the way he's responded, five consecutive 20 point games, I think you'd be hesitant to change things up when things are going so well. And I think it might be a, a case of Jordan Poole a little bit, where for JK, he's coming off the bench. He's playing against maybe slightly lesser opposition as, to begin with. But he's also, some of these combinations that the Warriors uh, are running when Steph is off the floor. So like yesterday, if you've got uh, Kojo, which is a talking point in itself that I probably won't get into, but like Kojo, Pods, Clay. JK Draymond. 
JK is like the primary scorer in that in that unit, and I think it's like a Jordan Poole situation where he might be better coming off the bench, where he can he knows that he's the main guy when Steph's off the floor, rather than starting and getting back into wanting to be that warrior style player where he's passing up shots sometimes, passing up on his own scoring aggressiveness to try and pass to Steph to try and pass to Clay. Like Steve was asked about in the post game yesterday on that final possession. Was there a chance for JK to have a fast break opportunity rather than stop and give the ball up to Steph? And the fact we're even discussing whether Jonathan Kaminga should be the guy taking the potential game-winning shot over Steph Curry is incredible. It really is incredible. But I think it goes to show how far JK has gone or come over the last couple of weeks here. And I don't think it's necessarily a straightforward thing of he needs to come back into the starting lineup. Now, I've seen people on Twitter saying you just need to do it out of principle, like he's playing so well that he should be starting. And I'm sure that if you ask JK himself, he would think he should be starting. But as I said, five consecutive 20-plus point games, I don't think it's necessarily a foregone conclusion that he should be starting. I, I, I could see why Steve would be hesitant on bringing him back into the starting lineup. But at the same time, that is that is your best five-man combination right now. And I don't think it's particularly close. There's some really good numbers. I think if you take Clay out of that and add pods, I think they're like a plus 72.4 net rating or something ridiculous like that over the last few games. So maybe slowly after half of the season, we're starting to get some clarity now on what the best Warrior lineup is, what the rotation should look like, and hopefully that can bring some consistency that shows itself in the Warriors' performances over the second half of the season because obviously so far they've been hugely inconsistent, they've been really poor, and I think that's been you know bred from the inability for Steve to find effective, consistent combinations that work together on the floor, and now we're seeing that. I think going forward here, I think Draymond needs to come back in the starting lineup. I think that's just that's a foregone conclusion. I think him, most likely for, for Loon, I just don't like the Draymond-Loon combination anymore together. So maybe Dario still starts in favour of JK. Maybe Dario plays the first few minutes of the game and then JK comes off the bench. Again, it's the old saying, like it doesn't matter who starts, it's who closes. I don't think JK is going to have an issue with whether he's starting or not, so long as he's playing 28 to 30 plus minutes and is in closing lineups most nights. So maybe Dario continues to start. I know that leaves you a hole defensively that teams will continue to exploit. This is the Warriors' biggest issue right now is being able to get stops on the defensive end. Draymond's come back in and it hasn't particularly helped a whole lot, as good as he's been from an individual standpoint. So we'll just wait and see here. The, the defense is clearly what the Warriors need to, to prioritize. From a trade standpoint, uh, I think JK's form has clearly cemented his place as a long-term piece for the Warriors, unless they're getting a superstar player back. Now, obviously, Siakam was the big one who the Warriors may have been looking at, who the Raptors would have coveted JK in, in any such deal. He ends up going to the Pacers while I was overseas. Wrote a little bit about that on Blue Man Hoop. But the players that are left, like the big names that are left, Kyle Kuzma, DeJounte Murray, are they guys that you'd be giving Jonathan Kaminga up for? Absolutely not. 
in no world would you do that. And so who is actually out there that you would, that's realistically gettable that you would trade JK for? There's just not one. Like unless Mark and all of a sudden became available again, maybe him, but there's just, otherwise there's just not one. There's not, and even marketing right now with how JK's playing, maybe you wouldn't even do that. There's just not a player out there. Unless it's an absolute superstar, you're not trading Jonathan Kaminga. And that kind of puts the Warriors in a bit of a bind with what they can do because now all of a sudden you're looking at, all right, we've got the contracts of Wiggs and CP3 and our assets are the two future first-round picks in 2026 and 2028, which have value. But I think with the way the JK has been playing, teams would look around at him and say he's the, the biggest asset on the biggest young asset on the Warriors that we want to get our hands on, and the Warriors are not going to be able to get a star level player without including him in the deal. And so they're kind of in a in a bind here with what they could possibly get. It means they're probably not going to get a difference making player that's going to you know turn their season upside down and, and get them to really winning form. They're just going to have to do that from within. It starts defensively. Uh, but again, even though the trade stuff, I, I've been hesitant to write about it over the last couple of weeks. I, I still wrote about it a little bit. Uh, but my, my writing in general, uh, obviously didn't do a podcast while I was in America, but my writing in general, I did a whole lot less. One, because I was on holidays. But two, also because of, of what happened. I didn't feel like it was appropriate to be doing too much writing, too much covering of the Warriors during that period. but. We're back on the court now, uh, trying to, to honour Decky's legacy. We'll, we'll just wait and see what happens. But as I said, there's a whole kind of new perspective on this Warrior season based on, on what's happened in the last seven to ten days, which is going to take a lot of time for people in the organisation to get over, particularly those. Like, I can't imagine those who were there out at the dinner on the Tuesday night. Just unbelievably horrible. So, again, I'll finish off. Thoughts and prayers. Warriors organisation, everyone in the NBA, and particularly Decky's family, his wife, and two kids as well. But otherwise, thank you. Oh, God, I am struggling to get through this. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Hopefully, I'll be a bit healthier by the time the next one rolls around. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel already, that would be greatly appreciated. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can follow me at POC252. That's P-O-K-252 on Twitter. Till next time, guys.